the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. But I want you to know that most people, at least most people that I know, who do not accept eternal security don't have a major problem with either God or Satan or Christ causing the loss of salvation. Most people I know really have no problem in that area. But you know what their major problem with security is? And I'm sure you've heard it before. Their major problem with security stems from a belief that an individual Christian, that you yourself, can turn your back upon God and reject his salvation. They believe that a Christian can walk away from Christ, that circumstances can so affect a Christian's life that he can fail Christ and turn from him and thereby be discarded by Christ himself. I've heard many people make that claim. Maybe no one else can take away my salvation, but I can surrender it, or words to that effect. But if the Bible is right, and I'm pretty sure it is always right, when we think that, we're assuming a power that we simply don't have. We cannot unsave ourselves any more than we can save ourselves. Pastor Steve Kreloff will present the evidence for that fact today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For the past couple weeks, we've been studying from Romans chapter 8 as we consider God's sovereignty and our security. Today we begin the first part of a three-part message which will conclude this series. Remember the old shake-and-bake commercials? (laughs) There there were countless versions, but the ones I remember best were the ones where the little girl gives away Grandma's secret recipe for her delicious fried chicken. She'd say in a syrupy southern accent that I can't come close to imitating, It's shake-and-bake, and I helped. Well, sometimes we're tempted to try to help with our salvation, either by attaining it or by keeping it. But in truth, we don't have what it takes to do either. Let's begin the class now as Pastor Steve tells us what Scripture says about a true believer's security in Christ. If you'll open your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, because this morning we're going to conclude our study on this chapter and specifically the subject dealing with divine sovereignty and the security of salvation. This is the chapter chapter that opens up by telling us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And this is the same chapter that closes by affirming that nothing, absolutely nothing, shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. From beginning to end, this is the Bible's preeminent chapter on the security of the believer. And Paul has given many arguments throughout this chapter, but he saves the strongest and the loftiest and the most exalted arguments for the end, and that is that divine sovereignty proves that nothing shall separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus. 
All the other arguments are important, but nothing is more exalted than the argument of divine sovereignty. What Paul is saying is that nothing can thwart God's plan to bring his children home to glory. Absolutely nothing. And that is the theme from verse 28 on till the end of the chapter. And we have looked at weeks past at the promise of security. Verse 28. We know that all things work together for good, right? And I'm just going to paraphrase as we go through. But the promise of security is that nothing can harm you spiritually. If all things are working for your good, then how could we say that anything could come up and pull us away from Christ? No, all things are working together for good. Not all things are good, but God is so sovereign that all things are working for our good. He makes sure they work for our good. So how can anyone say I can lose my salvation if everything is working for your good? Even sin, God uses for our own good. And then we've seen the purpose of security. Verse 29, what is the purpose? Verse 28 ends with that word purpose, and verse 29 tells us that the purpose of security is that we might be predestined to become conformed to the image of his Son. There's a twofold purpose of security. One is that we might be like Christ. Ultimately, we will be like Christ. All things work together for good now because God is moving it along eternally that eventually we will be like Christ. It works together for our good now because everything is making us like Christ now. And ultimately, God will perfect and bring that purpose to pass as we become conformed to his image. But the second part of the of the purpose of our security is found in verse 29, that he might become, that is Christ, the firstborn among many brethren. The ultimate purpose of security is not to forgive us of sin, is not to make us feel good, is not to even give us assurance, though thank God that's a part of it. The ultimate purpose of security is that someday there will be a host of glorified, redeemed humanity of which Christ will be prominent and preeminent. If God didn't secure us, there would be no one in glory who would give Christ the praise from which, out of that group, he would stand out as a leader amongst the people. God must assure us of our salvation or else Christ will not be the firstborn among many brethren, which simply means he is the preeminent one. And then we saw the process of security, and that's found in verse 30. Whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. And we said, we don't understand that, but we believe it. That is the process in the mind and heart of God and and in our own reality of salvation, how it came to pass. And he closes by saying, these he also glorified. It's in past tense. It is so certain And our salvation is so secure that Paul could speak of it in terms of the past. It has already taken place. Not with us in time and reality, but it's so certain that Paul can say it has happened. So that's the process of security. And then we've seen the problems of security. Because Paul says in verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? What shall be our verbal response to these wonderful truths of security? And Paul goes through a whole list of problems, not really with security, but problems that people come up with about security, problems that are associated with security. In other words, after hearing all these truths, and the Romans heard this for the first time, the Roman Christians, they would say, but wait a minute, Paul, I've got a problem. You're telling me that I could never lose my salvation. 
Paul says, that's exactly what I'm telling you. But what about this? And what about that problem? And so Paul begins to deal with the problems. Now, that's where we are in our study. And we're going to conclude that this morning. The problems with security. Paul has presented a number of problems that people have with the doctrine of eternal security. But, you know, they all have something in common. I don't know if you've caught this. All of these problems have a, have a common denominator. Each challenge that Paul raises is concerned with someone else causing us to lose our salvation. He speaks of God the Father, and then he speaks of Satan in Christ. Let me show you. In verse 31, after he says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, then who is against us? That's a problem with God's protective power. It's the, it's the problem with someone coming along saying that someone else, some greater force than God can pull you away from him, can pull you out of salvation. And what Paul is saying, is there anybody more powerful than God? Can't God protect you? If God is for you, then who cares who's against you? That's the intent, and that's the thought there. Yes, you do have enemies. Satan is an enemy. The world is an enemy. If they could, they'd pull you away from Christ and try to stop your religious fanaticism. At least that's the way they would put it. Satan and demonic forces would try to pull you away from Christ. The world would do it. Your unsaved relatives would do it. But what Paul is saying is God is so powerful that no one can pull us from Christ. Because God is for you. He's on your side. He's fighting for you. You're in his hand. You're in Christ's hand. You have double security. Who will pull you from his hand? The answer is no one. God is for you. So who cares who's against you? So that's, the, uh, that's saying that uh, the problem is with God's protective power. But then people have another problem. They say, oh, but, but will God extend his grace to us all the time, even if we sin? And that's the problem with God's gracious provision. Verse 32, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And that question is saying this, will his grace ever stop? And the answer is no, of course not. Why? Because God has given you his best. He's given you his son. Do you think that, that he who gave you his son in grace will now stop giving you grace because you've sinned? When Christ was, was given to us and we received eternal life, we were dead in sins and trespasses. Do you think now that we're alive, that we're part of the family, he's going to cease giving us grace? Of course not. So that's a problem of God's gracious provision. But still there are some who say, but Satan can do it. Satan can do it. Maybe God won't, but Satan can. Verse 33, who will bring a charge against God's elect? And we know that, that Satan does that. We saw that last week. Satan does that. He tries to prove us guilty. He is the accuser of the brethren. Can he prove us guilty and deserving of condemnation? That's the issue here. Can Satan prove that you're guilty? Can he cause God to open up the case against us? Will there be a retrial? And the answer is no. Look at verse 33. God is the one who justifies. No, God's already declared us righteous. He's not going to turn around now and say you're guilty. Either we're righteous or we're guilty. It's a legal declaration. It's a legal case. It's a legal point. And legally, we are declared righteous, not guilty. And someone says, well, I know God the Father wouldn't do it, and, and Satan can't do it. But Christ could. Of his own will, Christ could do it because he is the judge. And won't he pronounce judgments on us if we go too far? Well, let's look at verse 34. Who is the one who condemns? 
Now, the answer to this is the only one who could condemn is Christ. Why? Because all authority has been given to him. He is the judge. All judgment has been given to him, John chapter 5 says. Paul told the Athenian philosophers that there is appointed a day in which God will judge the world by Christ himself. But the question is, would Christ condemn us? Of course not. Look at verse 34. Christ Jesus is he who died. Why, why would he condemn you? He died in your place as being condemned. Why would he turn around and condemn you? He took upon himself your condemnation. Not only that, yes, rather who was raised. And the resurrection is the proof that God has accepted his death. That he has indeed paid for all of our sins. Not only that, who is at the right hand of God. Why does Paul say that? Because this shows that God has exalted Christ as a reward for his perfect sacrifice. It is complete. God is totally satisfied. And not only that, but you say, what about now? What about when I sin now? Well, verse 34 says, who also intercedes for us. He is interceding right now so that when you fall into sin, he says, Father, charge it to my account. Or really, we should say more accurately, Father, it has been charged to my account. And he prays for us even when we fall into sin. So have you noticed that each one of these problems of security is concerned with someone else removing you from Christ? Either God the Father, Satan, or Christ himself. But I want you to know that most people, at least most people that I know, who do not accept eternal security don't have a major problem with either God or Satan or Christ causing the loss of salvation. Most people I know really have no problem in that area. But you know what their major problem with security is? And I'm sure you've heard it before. Their major problem with security stems from a belief that an individual Christian, that you yourself, can turn your back upon God and reject his salvation. They believe that a Christian can walk away from Christ, that circumstances can so affect a Christian's life that he can fail Christ and turn from him and thereby be discarded by Christ himself. That's the major problem that people have with eternal security. I have a book in my office that's a rather thick book, at least 200, 300 pages, dealing with that very issue. And the author says that, yes, a person can do that. He says, well, Christ won't forsake you, but you can forsake him. And the whole book is designed to prove that, which it doesn't prove that at all. In fact, just a few months ago, I was speaking to a group of high school students at Lakeside Christian School about this very issue of eternal security. And one uh, young man raised his hand and said, now look, I had a friend who went to this school. He professed faith in Christ, and he uh, was going to church, and uh, he said that he was a Christian, and now there's nothing in his life. He said he doesn't believe, he doesn't care. He... Now, doesn't that prove that you can lose your salvation? No. Just proves that he wasn't saved to begin with. Or either he's in a backslidden condition. But let's look at how Paul would answer that question. Let's look at what Paul has to say about the effect of difficult circumstances on a Christian salvation. Can these circumstances cause us to abandon our faith in Christ? Can they? Is there anything in this life that can cause us to walk away from the Lord? Let's begin at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Let's stop there. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now, I think this verse should probably be translated, what shall separate us? 
rather than who shall separate us, because he's dealing with circumstances, with situations, not necessarily with people. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? First of all, it's important that we understand that Paul is referring to Christ's love for us, not our love for him. My love for him is very shallow, it's very weak. If salvation depended upon my love for him, then I've lost it. If it's dependent upon his love for me, then I'm secure. Why do I say that he's speaking about Christ's love for us? Well, the context, verse 37 says, but in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who, what? Loved us. He's speaking about his love for us. So Paul isn't saying, what difficulties will cause you to stop loving Christ? That's not what he's saying. No, he's asking, what difficulties will cause Christ to stop loving you? In other words, how deep is Christ's love for you? Can it stand up under certain tests? Will Christ cut off his love if you go too far in your life? An important question. And I want you to know, secondly, he's not referring to God's love in general for all of mankind. Because even the unregenerate have God's love. I know some teach, and I think erroneously, that God doesn't love the unsaved. That's just not found in the word of God. God loves all, for God so loved the world of mankind. And I believe Christ died for all. But I don't think this question is referring to God's love in general for all of mankind. I think it's referring to his special affection for his people. His salvation kind of love. Not saying that he doesn't love everyone, but there is a special kind of intimate affection that God pours out in Christ upon his people. Look back at verse 29. You see that expression, for whom he foreknew? Remember when we went over that, I said the word foreknew does not mean, or foreknow does not mean to just know ahead of time. God knows everyone ahead of time. The word know or knew in the Bible speaks of intimacy. For instance, in Amos 3.2, we read that, that Jehovah says to Israel, only you of all the families in the world have I loved. Now is God saying, uh, or have I known rather, only you have I known, Israel, of all the families. Is God saying, I don't know anybody else? No, of course not. He's saying, of all the families and all the world, only you, Israel, have I set my special affection of intimate love. We read in the Old Testament that Cain knew his wife. It didn't mean he was introduced to her. It mean they, they had an intimate physical relationship. And so when this expression for new or foreknown is used in the Bible, it means that beforehand God determined to set his affection on someone. That is how the word known is used. So he's speaking about his love relationship. And the question is this, what difficulties will separate us, the ones who God has foreknown, predestined, called, justified, and glorified from Christ's intimate love? That's the thought there. So Paul is using love synonymous with salvation or relationship with Christ. Is there anything that can ever cause God to stop loving you in this special way? Anything? We know he never stops loving in a general way, but how about this salvation kind of love? Anything that can break up our, our personal relationship with him? Well, some people say, yes, there is. And I've known people to do this, they say. Well, they feel that certainly God won't fail us, but we can fail him. That certainly he won't forsake us, but we can forsake him. And the thought is this. They say this, and I want you to understand the real issue here. They say, suppose some incredible situation happens in your life and it totally overwhelms you. Overwhelms you to the point 
where you abandon Christ and lose your faith in him. They say that will cause Christ to break his relationship with you. And they say the reason is that you first broke your relationship with him. That's the issue here, and I want you to understand it clearly. So with this problem in mind, and it is a problem, the apostle calls upon the worst adversities of life. The worst adversities that a Christian could possibly face in order to determine, could these separate him from Christ's love? So let's look back at verse 35 again. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Could these things do it? Well, let's go down the list. By the way, this is life at its worst for a Christian. Life at its absolute worst. This is, this is the pits. If this can't do it, nothing can. These are the most stressful situations that life has to offer. These are the situations that some people think can cause us to lose our salvation. How about tribulation? Shall tribulation do it? Can difficulties do it? The Greek word for tribulation simply means pressure. That's all, pressure. It means to be squeezed, like you would squeeze some toothpaste. Squeeze, pressure. It means the pressures of life and the stressful external circumstances. I think it's speaking more of external circumstances than internal difficulties. It's interesting to note that the root of the, of the English word, tribulation, refers to thrashing. Thrashing. In Paul's day, the Romans would separate the wheat uh, from the chaff by an instrument called a tribulum. A tribulum. And a tribulum was a sort of sledge or a wooden platform studded underneath with sharp pieces of flint or iron uh, teeth. The Romans would swing that tribulum through the air and beat upon the wheat. They would just beat that wheat. But there came a time in the early days of the Christian church when believers received so much beating and so much external pressures because of their faith that it seemed as though they were beaten just like that wheat. And so the word tribulum was brought over into the language, and we call it tribulation, beating, pressure. Pressures for the sake of the gospel, that's the thought here. Can the external pressures of life, the mental, the physical, the emotional beatings one takes because he's a Christian, we're not talking about suffering in general, all mankind suffers, but Christians suffer for their faith. Will they cause us to abandon Christ and forfeit his love? Will they? Well, let's keep that in mind. Paul's asking a question. Will tribulation do it? How about distress? If tribulation refers to the external pressures of life, then distress refers to the internal pressures. And probably the thought here is, is temptation, because this Greek word literally means narrow. And the thought is of being hemmed in with no way out. You ever felt like that? No way out. The difficulties of, of internal temptation to sin. It's internal, it's not external. Inward distress. Can strong temptations cause you to say, Lord, that's it, I'm gone. Can't take it anymore. As you probably know, Paul was asking a rhetorical question when he asked if any of those hardships could separate us from Christ's love. I suppose nearly all of us have seen professing Christians turn from their faith when things got rough or when something or someone else caught their fancy. But as we'll see on the next verse by verse, when a person discards their belief in Jesus, it's either that they were temporarily backslidden and they come back, or they didn't truly believe in the first place. Thanks for tuning in today as Pastor Steve Kreloff begins his last message in this series. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. 
If you're looking for a place to worship and you're in or near Clearwater, you'll be very welcome at Lakeside. The address is 1893 Sunset Point Road. For more information, call the office at 727-441-1714 or go online to lakesidechapel.com. The phone number again is 727-441-1714. We have two more broadcasts left in this series about God's sovereignty and our security. If you'd like to catch up on the previous programs, they're all available for free on the Message Archive page, and that's at versebyverseradio.org. There's also a giving page if Verse by Verse has blessed you and you feel led to help support this ministry. We're always thankful for the generous listeners who make it possible for us to continue teaching God's Word. That's versebyverseradio.org. This is Jerry Peterson. Joe Stowell once mentioned that there was an ancient Greek race that was unusual in that the winner was not necessarily the runner who crossed the finish line first. The winner was the one who crossed the finish line with his torch still lit. As we run the race of life, we go through a gauntlet of enemies who would like nothing better than to extinguish our flame. We'd never make it on our own, but with God's help, our victory is guaranteed. Pastor Steve will have more on the next Verse by Verse. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's Verse. We are here to give you strength between. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.